This is Adventure Nannies On Air. Mr. Andrew Vidocler, I am so excited to have you on our podcast today. Ah, Miss Brandy Schultz, I am so excited. This is this is incredible. I'm a huge fan of Adventure Nannies and your podcast, and so this is this is a dream. Well, I am Andrew's number one fan. He is an old friend of Wesley Schultz, my husband, and I studied a little bit of education reform back in the day through um, my college experience. And during that time, how many years ago was this? This was a long time ago. This was uh, a long the, time ago. Yeah. In New York, when you were at Success Academy, you knew I was studying that and invited Wes and I to shadow you at your classroom there. And it was an experience I will never forget. I was nearly in tears. Granted, we were remarkably hungover. But I was also, <laughs> from that show, Wes played the night before, and it was very exciting for everyone. But, um, yeah, Andrew blew me away with his literacy, his, ab- his ability to teach reading to kids. It was something I had never seen before. I'm a product of Colorado Public Schools. And then since then, I've had a lot of questions for Andy about his education style and I know that the Success Academy was, is, and is still a huge success. You guys were one of the reasons that New York City didn't shut down charter schools because you guys outperformed all the other schools in tests. And I might, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think you guys got like second in math and something else in literature. But this tiny school in the Bronx with a lot of kids from underprivileged backgrounds beat out all these rich private school kids in New York, which was amazing. And then since then, I've spoken with you just as a friend about some other education issues that we've, you know, noticed. And I had the opportunity one time to get a hold of Andy's resume and saw that Tony Blair has watched you teach, Fareed Zakaria has done a program on your classroom, and then Colorado was lucky enough to have you move here where you started Rocky Mountain Prep's literacy program, which is the best literacy program in the state. So thank you for that. (laughs) And then I've worked with you at Wyatt Academy, the last school you worked with before the one you're at now, and you've turned that completely around. So now that I've thoroughly embarrassed you because you're not good at bragging about yourself, I just wanted to put it out there for our listeners of what an education rock star you are. So can you fill in any blanks that I left open about your background? Yes, oh my goodness, Brandy, you are, <laughs> you're the best. So, uh, where, where do we start here? So essentially, that day when you came to visit with Wes, um, the morning after that incredible show, uh, which I will never forget either, that was 10 years ago. I can't believe that was that 10 years ago. That is crazy. We're so old. That is, I know, getting older, it's crazy. Um, but nonetheless, that was ten that was ten years ago. Really, really, really appreciate all the kind words. And so, yeah, just to just to fill in any blanks, worked in Boston Public Schools as a as a science specialist for two years. Um, worked um, at Success Academy Bronx Two. We founded the school um, and was there for five years and was a, a call like a lab site kindergarten teacher. 
and then moved out to Colorado to help um, open Rocky Mountain Prep, their second campus. Just because I, I just want to be t- totally clear about this, worked with a team of folks, and we put <laughs> together the the literacy program. So I, I definitely don't want to take any uh, a- any any um, credit there. But we worked to open their second campus, and we were really laser focused on getting that literacy program right. And they've just they've gone ahead to just do really incredible things, and then. Had the opportunity to go to Wyatt Academy, incredible school, and uh, yeah, we uh, did some really neat things there around literacy um, and math as well. And yeah, that's that school. When I left, we had the um, highest combined um, CMAS growth um, in all of Denver Public Schools, and it just the school is in a really neat place, and just feel so fortunate to work with uh, the incredible folks folks over there. Wow. And um, yeah, and just just also just throw out there, um, when I moved out to Colorado, got a master's um, in curriculum instruction from CU Denver, and then um, an educational leadership from Regis University. And so- uh, What a badass. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, you are, you're kind, you are a badass, Brandy. Let's be serious here. But um, yeah, yeah, that's a little bit of the background. I'm excited to talk today. Yeah, and I, I'm really excited to talk to you about literacy in particular. So we've had a few brief conversations about this, and I want to just kind of give our listeners a little bit of a State of the Union address in terms of where we're at as a country with teaching kids how to read. I know from what I've read and listened to, I was not taught how to read in a necessarily like I, I was not, not in the way you would teach people how to read at all. And I was not able to develop a love of reading until I was in my 20s. So can you can you just give us a brief State of the Union address on literacy in the States? Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I would also say, Brandy, you are an, you're an incredible reader. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, we have we've learned a lot over the we've learned a lot over the years. There is science to the art of teaching reading. And so, I mean, my goodness, this is a this is a, it's a very loaded topic. So I'm going to be careful not to 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 step into too many uh, landmines here. But without going too deep into the history, the big I mean, the big report came out um, came out near the end of 2018. It was from American Public uh, American Public Media, and I believe it was called like Why Aren't We Teaching Students to Read? Correctly, I'm paraphrasing here, but um, essentially in 2018, this groundbreaking report came out from American public media, had had a ton of brain science. They were really able to get down to the nuts and bolts of how people learn to read. And there's, in this country, we've had something called the reading wars, where there's been fierce debate um, about whether it's based on phonics instruction, whether it's whole language, and it's been it's been pretty loaded. We came to a, in 2001, without getting too into the the weeds here, in 2001, a big congressional report came out that said phonics instruction is actually really powerful and it is a critical component to teaching reading. Uh, The whole language uh, camp kind of conceded this point and we came up with something called balance literacy, where in balance literacy, we were using uh, the whole language approach, we're using this three cueing system and we were, you know, there's some, there's some really powerful pieces there, but essentially we were teaching kids to guess words. And yes. when we teach kids to guess, 
we're not teaching them uh, we're not teaching them the code of reading. We're not giving them all the tools. And yeah, what can we you found just was, say what this queuing system is for our listeners too? Because that when I learned what it was, I was I definitely was taught how to read this way. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's really powerful, and it's also one of those things, Brandy. Like I'm just going out there, like. You know, as human beings, when we, you know, uh, when we learn more, we do better. And so I just keep going back to that. When we learn more, we do better. I 100% was taught to use the three queuing system. I was, I then taught the three queuing system for years. And when this big report came out, we realized like, okay, we got to, we got to make a pivot here. And so the three queuing system is essentially um, when we teach a a child to read, we're teaching them uh, to make meaning. We're, te- we're teaching them to look at sentence structure, and we're teaching them to look at visual cues. And I, I know that's a little kind of like academic jargon, but really, let's just think about it like this. The three queuing system. When we use the three queuing system, what we're doing is we're teaching a child to guess words based on the way the sentence looks, based on what the picture is, and really guessing words is a strategy you use if perhaps if perhaps if you're dealing with dyslexia like that's mm-hmm. a it's a coping mechanism it's a coping strategy um, if you are unable to decode the sounds in the word and so when we do that we're teaching students and we're teaching children coping strategies rather than the best strategies to learn how to read mm. if that makes sense Yes. And so can I just give a quick example of what that looks like, Brandy? Please. And so that essentially looks like they talk about it in the American Public Media podcast here. So essentially, let's say a kindergarten student, um, for which I had this experience for years, let's say we are reading a text and the text says, I see a caterpillar. Well, as the teacher, I taught that student to recognize the word I. I taught that student to recognize the word see. I taught that student to recognize uh. So I see uh. That kindergarten student already knows those words. But I have not taught that student how to sound out the word caterpillar. So I see a caterpillar. Well, the only strategy that the student can really use if they don't know how to kind of decode the word caterpillar is to look at the picture and... And really, and to guess. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been teaching students, we've been teaching students to guess. And, you know, there's a lot of different pieces in literacy, but this is something that's really come under fire. And so when we're talking about the state of the kind of the state of the union in terms of literacy, what we have is we now have really good data that these strategies don't work. We have really good research and reports. And so what we see is we see districts all over the country scrambling to kind of get this this idea of teaching reading out of the classrooms. Um, yeah. And the set, where, but, but where we're at is most schools, most schools, like the majority are still are still using this strategy. And well, now a lot there of them are... spent a ton of money on the resources to have these programs, right? And so it, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a hard pivot if they'd have to inv- reinvest a lot of money into this, and you have to it's, retrain teachers. 
it's, I mean, it's a monumental, it's a monumental undertaking. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, and we're talking about the titans in literacy. We're talking about Lucy Calkins. We're talking about Fountas and Pinnell. Um, and there's a, so many things that are really, really, really positive about these programs, but they do rely on the three queuing system and over relying on that three queuing system has really kind of been debunked a bit by the science of reading. And so now, yeah, we see districts, you know, having to pivot. I mean, right here in Colorado, I mean, there's literally a new law that's been passed. Like if you teach, I believe it's kindergarten through third grade. Yeah, it's kindergarten through third grade. You have to um, pass a new uh, reading test, like the science of reading test. And that, wow. it, I mean, it's a huge undertaking. And, you know, for districts to scramble like this, it's 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 a massive undertaking. And so that's where a lot of the work is right now. Yeah. And, and then just as a wrap up on the State of the Union address, I don't have the stats in front of me and you may or may not. But where are we as a country in terms of our literacy rates right now, you know, since we've been using this system for a long time? That's a great question. Um, I mean, we, you know, we consistently, out of all the developed, um, out of all the developed nations, um, we pretty much consistently rank pretty low near the bottom. I don't know if I have the, have the exact number in front of me, but when we look at our reading proficiency rates as compared to other developed nations, we are embarrassingly low on the list. And so we've got a lot of work to do. I'm not quite sure of what what the national rate is and we'll find I, I out want... we'll put it in our blog that accompanies this podcast i just let's do that i remember let's some do... shockingly low numbers so i wasn't sure if yeah, you had no, they're, it yeah they're low they're yeah. they're very low um they're very low and we've almost just become conditioned to to accept them as this low yeah um but really like it is i mean it I, I'm just be careful not to step into a landmine here, but but really, like when we think about what this means for students, when we think about what this means for opportunities, when we think about what this means for employability yes. and it, just what it means for you know financial outcomes and stability and the way the economy is going, um, the fact that we have this many amount of students that are unable to read proficiently, it is it, it's it, it's a national travesty. It's, yeah. Uh, so that part is, I mean, we tie in the social justice part. It is incredibly, incredibly powerful. So, and so Brandy, just to tie this back, just to tie this back, because I don't feel like um, landed the plane here in terms of where this is going. And so right now there is a huge drive to move away from this three queuing system where we're teaching students to guess and pushing um, more phonics instruction in classrooms. And so that's where that's where this is going. So yes. we are going towards phonics-based um, literacy instruction. And this is the part I witnessed you teach that made me cry. Yes, in my emotion, raw emotional state. That I was in. Oh my goodness! Well, no, I had never seen anyone teach phonics before. And can you? Because the reason I wanted you on this podcast, Andrew, was to help our educators and our nannies with some tangible tools that they can take into their home classrooms and just reading with kids in the evening before bed, things like that. So can you, yeah, please keep talking about phonics. 
Yes, yes, yes. So really, I I would just encourage listeners here when I think of uh, when I think about adventure nannies and just nannies um, in the in the world uh, in general. Phonics is your friend. Phonics is awesome, and I don't. Uh, I don't know quite why Phonics got got kind of a questionable rap or maybe even a little bit of a bad rap, but I would just argue whoever branded it like that was um, it, it was incorrect. Phonics is a ton of fun, and I'll tell you why. So, so Phonics, let's what I remember you saw me do was something we called break it down and say it fast. Yeah, and that comes from the uh, it's the the success for all program. And so we would kind of put our own little spin on it. And so let's say the word is bat. So if I'm the teacher, I would say bat. I want you to break it down, bat. And then the students would pretend that maybe they pretended they were LeBron James. And they would go, like, pretending they're bouncing a basketball. They'd go, b-a-t, bat. And so you can imagine, you know, a a five-year-old pretending to bounce that ball, b-a-t, bat. And when they say bat, they kind of shoot it. Um, I remember we used to do Beyonce, and that was cool too. Is uh, the single ladies put your hand up, and then bat, bat, and you can imagine the hand kind of going shaking back and forth. And so it's essentially breaking apart that word bat, um, and then another. And thi- adding movement was such a cool part too. Adding the movement, absolutely, absolutely. You're doing this with like one, you know, you're doing this with one student or two, you know, one kiddo or two kiddos or three kiddos. Yeah, you definitely want to have that movement. And but then also you're doing it with thirty. You also want to have that movement, and that was super fun. Kids loved it, absolutely loved it. And um, another thing we would do was called say it fast. And so now me as the instructor, let's say the word is cat. I wouldn't say the whole word. I would just say cat. And then the students would sweep it and they would say cat. So cat. And then the students, cat. And so what we're practicing here is breaking, uh, breaking apart the word into the different sounds. And then what we're also practicing is taking all those sounds and then putting them together into a word. And that is like that I believe is very high quality phonics instruction. And you can do that with so many words. There's great curriculum out there. There's success for all. There's amplify core knowledge. Um, And I think now there's a lot more uh, phonics resources as well. But the idea that that's not fun, I, I don't know. We're... I think whoever branded it not fun kind of missed missed the boat um, because um, it is an essential science-based practice in teaching children how to read. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. And you just listed a few resources. And just for our listeners to know, we will absolutely include those resources and anything else Andy has to throw your way on the blog that is associated to this. Do you have any other, we're running up to our time limit here trying to keep these podcasts bite-sized these days. Right. Do you have any other tips for our in-home educators, especially now during COVID? So many nannies who don't necessarily have teaching backgrounds are going to be in charge of helping kids get through their off and on in-school, out-of-school educations this year. Right. Um, right. That is, uh, that's a, it's a really great question. Just some really fun practices. Um, I think one, having a print rich environment. 
So I, if the child's room that you're, uh, you know, that you're, you're nannying in, that you're working in, make sure there's tons of really great books around. The more you read, the more you read to a child, the better it is, the more words that student hears, the more opportunity that that student has to converse with you and talk with you, I think is a really, really, really important um, practice. And that's not something that I think, I mean, that's backed by, that's backed by research. So, I mean, you cannot read to a student enough. Um, if you have a child that's, um, you know, there are those times where it's like, hey, take out the, uh, maybe take out the iPad or the TV is on. You can put on subtitles. That's, oh, that's a, a really easy win. That's a really easy win. Throw on the subtitles. Wow. You need a break. You know, you need a break. Um, the families might need a break. And when those students are, you know, on uh, whatever they're watching and you turn those subtitles on because now they're hearing the word and they're seeing it visually on the subtitles. And that's also a really easy, easy adaptable practice. That's a great tip. That'll make me feel slightly less guilty when I let Lenny watch TV. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. We got to we got to reduce the amount of guilt. And honestly, it's. It's incredibly, it's incredibly helpful, and you can now turn them on on English and in Spanish, and some of the other programs have more languages that they offer as well. So, I mean, that's that that's also pretty that's also pretty neat. You can see that the if, if let's say you're list uh, you're listening in English, you can have the you know, Spanish subtitles or um, or vice versa. So that's another practice. And then Brandy, I would also just put out there for you know for your audience the opportunity to take a look. At, um, there's a website called Ed Reports, and we'll include that in the blog. But Ed Reports will just allow you to take a look at the curriculum that the child's school is using, and you can you can see right there whether it is Ed Reports is a nonprofit. They rate curriculum and they take a look to see um, how uh, phonics is used in in curriculum. So if you cool. see that your student is you know, in a school that's, you know, not using a reading curriculum that's backed by science, you, one, you know, you can supplement and then also kind of empower you to kind of ask some questions. That's amazing. Yeah, that's great, Andy. Or Andrew, I'm sorry. Mr. Vidocler. No. <laughs> oh my goodness, Brandy, you're, you're too much. You're too much. And then also, uh, I'm sorry, and I, I know we're going to keep this bite size, but also just the idea for, for your audience when they're doing read-alouds, and there's such great read-alouds that are available, and when when uh, we are doing read-alouds with, with kiddos, and they've made huge strides in terms of just having culturally responsive read-alouds, mm. um, really representative read-alouds. I mean, the industry has come a long way in the past couple years and um, they still got a ways to go but there's a, a lot more high quality culturally responsive read alouds out there that I would definitely really recommend but also just the opportunity to converse with the uh, with the child while you're doing that read aloud and so yeah you know, where do we find the read alouds that is another thing that we will include perfect um, that's another <laughs> thing that we will include on the blog because yeah I got a couple different sites that I'm thinking of right now and I think uh, yeah, we'll we'll include that on the blog. So easily easily accessible resources uh, for your incredible audience. That is so awesome. Thank you again, Andrew Vanockler, and I'm sure we'll have you back on to talk about more of this. So I can't thank you enough for your time. It's a Saturday. You're the best, and I can't wait to share this with everybody. 
Oh, Brandy, you may uh, make my heart sing. You are the best. And I think it's also important that the audience knows you got a baby shower in literally an hour. You were doing a <laughs> podcast an hour before your baby shower. So, Well, uh, one of my our goodness. next podcasts is about zombie moms, and I just have to get this done before <laughs> I become a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> You are incredible. Brandy, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity. Just tons of love to the entire uh, Adventure Nannies camp and all your listeners. And um, I am so excited to, uh, to talk and hang out soon. Yes, Andrew, thanks again. Thank you so much, Brandy. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. For more, visit us at AdventureNannies.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. To send us love letters, questions, or ideas for future episodes, email us at podcast at adventurenannies.com. Bye! Bye. <laughs>